Welcome to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and I'm proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Every episode of this podcast will bring in a variety of experts to help all writers incorporate more authentic cops, crime, and criminals in their stories. Sitting across the interrogation room from me today is Graham Slater. Graham studied creative writing for film and television at the Phoenix Arts Center in Exeter, England, and his work has been optioned for television series by companies such as the BBC. He worked as a musician across Europe and as a session player in many of the top London studios. Graham has performed with celebrated artists including Jimi Hendrix, Fats Domino, James Taylor, and Elton John, and he started his own record label, Tabitha Records, in 1976. His background in musical performance and production formed the basis of his first novel, Ticket to Ride, which he set in 1960s Hamburg and published in 2006. He's since written and had published a children's book, historical fiction, four additional novels, and a nonfiction guide for writers. Graham is heard regularly on terrestrial and web-based radio stations around the world, reviewing his book of the month and presenting the A to Z of writing on Live Wire Talk and Hits and Bits, where he tells the story behind the hit record. Graham, welcome to welcome to Writers on the Beat. I'm, I'm really glad that you're able to, to join us today and talk about a, a couple of the books of the month. Yeah, that was great. It's, uh, it's good to be on here. Yeah, so I, I, the first book that, that I know you, you want to talk about is, is Ian Rankin's latest, uh, In a House of Lies. And I had a, a pleasure reading through almost all of this one. I'm, I'm trying really hard to finish it. Um, just because of all my personal schedule, but uh, I got to talk to Ian about it a few months ago, and I'm really excited to hear your opinion of what what uh, uh, what this book and, and the the latest John Rebus is. Okay, well, I mean, um, I'm not sure if you do get the TV shows over there, but John Rebus has been on TV in many series in different guises um, of the detective, and and the best one really is uh, is the current one, and he is I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I will do in a minute. Um, but he is absolutely brilliant. And to me, uh, he is John Rebus. I mean, Ken Stott is his name. And he's, he's got a lived-in face. Um, he's obviously Scottish. And to me, he is uh, John Rebus. I mean, he's superb. He's an alcoholic, almost. <laughs> um, over, <laughs> over, oversteps the mark nearly all the time. And he, he's loved and hated by his superiors because... Generally, uh, in all of the books and the stories that I've seen on TV, he always solves the problem. When other people don't quite get it, he does. Now, in this particular book, um, John Rebus is no longer a policeman or a detective, which makes it even more difficult because um, he's been told that he's potentially a diabetic. He's been told he's got to stop drinking, um, smoking and everything else. And of course, it's very hard for him to do that because that is really his life. Apart mm-hmm. from music, he loves music. And what I liked about the end of this book, or as an addition to the book, was um, Ian Rankin effectively interviewing John Rebus into his choices of music, a bit like what we got over here called Desert Island Discs. And you talk to people about the music and their life and everything else. And to me, that was probably the best part of the book. Not that the story wasn't really, really good, but I liked the idea at the end. It was a very clever way of making uh, Rebus a real person, you know. Um, yeah. But what's hap- what happens in this one, and it's a case that um, John Rebus was on many years earlier, and 
suddenly out of nowhere a car appears uh, in a wood uh, with a body in it. Now, many years earlier, they'd actually searched this area. So the, the, the question is, how on earth did this car get there? How long has it been there? Um, and who is in it? It turns out that it is a private investigator, but his feet or his ankles are handcuffed. And everyone assumes that uh, it was a certain person more recently. But what they did is they used um, handcuffs that are no longer in use. So that is a key and the clue that John Rebus carries on with. But of course, he's fighting the system because the other people that were involved at the time, most of those now are retired. And uh, of course, they don't want to talk about it because uh, a bit like we've got over here at the moment with um, uh, uh, Prime Minister John Major, who was retired many years ago. They're looking now into the problem with the blood transfusions and the the um, affected blood that people were given. And so now John Major, who's an ex-Prime Minister, is going to be dragged out, uh, thinking he's got away with it all, and he's going to be dragged out to be interviewed to find out what on earth is going on or went on. And of course, this is the same with uh, with some of these characters that Rebus works with. But he, they don't want him involved, but they do want him involved. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Yep. It did. Yeah. You know, I, I was really fascinated with with this book because it. You know, um, Ian Ian Rankin did such a fantastic job of putting this together and making Rebus and keeping Rebus really relevant. Right. Like, you know, as you, as you mentioned, he's now retired. Um, he's no longer on on the force as a as a badge de de detective, but he still has a lot of experience. He still has you know a lot of a lot of things that he can contribute, and especially with this uh, resurrected investigation, you know, like this you know this guy that's been found in the in the wood, and all of the all of the you know potential police corruption issues that this ends up bringing up of the way that things used to be done you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, um, the way that police work used to be, the way that um, things were run um, versus, you know, the the more modern um, morals and ethics, and I, I think a lot more kind of traditional Pelian philosophies that the police strive to adhere to. Um, it was, for me, as, as a cop, a really fantastic contrast and you know, the uh, kind of the rough justice of how things used to be um, versus the the more modern era of more ethical policing. Well, that's right. And I think, you know, back in those days, of course, capital punishment was still around and they did hang people, you know, and often those people were innocent. And now they're realizing that a lot of the people that, that were executed actually were innocent and they're worried about making the same mistakes. So we've done away with it over here. But I, my personal thoughts are, and you may not agree or your listeners, but if someone is found guilty without any doubt whatsoever, then I think that situation, because we've got major problems here in the UK and uh, there, is, there are no deterrents now. You know, people know yes. they go to prison, they go to prison. If they murder one person, they murder another one and another one. And they basically get the same treatment, the same punishment. So what what yep. is the deterrent? And I think if we had something like that, uh, then it would be really, really good. But but I say that back in those days that um, when Rebus was really and fully blown and, and out there, um, mistakes were made and fabrications yes. were put together. And uh, and that still does go on, you know, despite what you've said. I think people still mm. fabricate things. Yeah, you know, I, I think that I, I think that it is, you know, much more an exception rather than the rule. And. 
you know, in, in at least speaking of my, my own experience, I don't, I don't know uh, of the, the hundreds or, or low thousands of, of cops that I've worked with over the years on, you know, various departments or task forces or, or assignments. I've never known a, a copper report to be embellished or, um, you know, to be, to be patently false. You know, um, fabricate where, something for the sake right. of it. Yeah. 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 Right. That, you know, we, we know this is a bad guy. I don't, I can't, I don't have the evidence to get him today, but I'm going to, I'm going to say I do because we're, if we're going to get him anyway. You know, he needs to be off the streets. Like to, to me, that, that philosophy of doing all the wrong things for all the right reasons um, has significantly lessened. And, you know, while there may be, you know, a temptation to, to bend the rules somewhat in that same train of thought or same paradigm, I don't, I can't say that I have ever, ever seen it, witnessed it or heard about it existing in real life today. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen. You know, no, it just I, means, I, you know, unless they're very so good weird. at hiding it. Yeah. Being a yeah, bit cynical, yeah. you know, because if they're going to go that to those <laughs> lengths to hide it, then, you know, no one would notice it, would they? But no, I know what you mean. And, uh, I mean, in films, it's often portrayed that way to get the story to work, isn't it? You know, the police are bent or whatever yeah. you want to call it over there. And, uh, yeah. and it's, it's something that they do to you know make the film interesting. But um, now it's a fantastic book. And of course, what Rebus does, he unravels. If you've nearly finished it, he unravels and continues to unravel and dig. Um, people don't want him to. I mean, uh, this is one of the problems. You know, they don't want him there. They want him to solve it. But they want to be sure that the outcome is something that they can manage. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. They want the right outcome. Yep. Exactly. And uh, if it means that some of their um, colleagues did things that they shouldn't, then whilst they want it to come out, they don't want it to mm -hmm. come out because it's, it's making a negative press on the, on the police. All right. They can say, well, that was then this is now. So things are very different, but um it's still a difficult dilemma um but i yes. i love rebus i really do i mean when i write i generally will find a picture or photograph of each character and i'll pin them up on my office wall and of course with john rebus now i mean when ian writes he can see ken stop he's got the real rebus you know yes <laughs> he's got the mannerisms he's got everything about him i mean he's he's a fantastic character and of course his love of music and and everything else, of course, it's what Ian likes, because it's the music that Ian likes as well, which a lot of us writers tend to do that. You include things that you like because you're able to yep. describe it in much more detail, of course. Yeah, and that was one of the things that you know, I also talked about was a lot of the similarities between um, between John Rebus and Hieronymus Bosch, the, the Michael Connolly character and, mm -hmm. you know, their their age and their their backgrounds and their love of music and. There, there are so many similarities there for, for them to have not conspired to write those characters or to come up with those characters together. Um, but yeah, it makes it all the more fascinating. And I, I really fell in love with, uh, with, uh, with Rebus, with that, that, uh, that series when I read it. Yeah. Did you, did you, did you see any of the TV ones then? Have you seen any of them? No, I, I haven't. I'm going to have to look them up now that you're bringing them up. Yeah. You have a look up. I mean, maybe on YouTube, but, um, we're getting them over here now. They're replaying them on gold, so they're ten years old now. But his char his character's great. He lives in the pub, you know, and he, he's yes. he's a, a real 
downtrodden, down-to-earth um, detective, and he gets results. I've read quite a few of Ian's books, and uh, I, I love him. But if you you get, I mean, they're on the on the internet. But you have a look at some of the. Re but you want to get the rebus with Ken Stott, K E N S S T O O T as as the character, because some of the others, John Hanna was um, was 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 rebus in some early ones, and he didn't quite cut it, you know, and. Uh, You've got to have someone that's older and more rugged, and and yes. Ken Stott's face is certainly lived in, you know. It's it's incredible. He sleeps in his suit. He's drunk and he sleeps on the <laughs> settee, and they they're knocking on the door for him to go to work. And but he's always had a shave, which surprises me. He, he, he's always had a shave, and I, I think that's maybe a bit of a flaw in the character. But he wouldn't look right if he didn't have a shave, you know. If he hadn't yes. shaved, you know, he's 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 got to look. Otherwise, he'd, he'd be a, totally be a tramp, you know. He'd be, he'd be a man from the street, yeah. a, hob a hobo or something. Yeah. Can't look that unprofessional, right? No, that's right. So, I mean, his suit's creased, but at least he's got a suit on, you know. Um, but there's some great programmes, and I, I'd, I'd love to know what you think when you watch the couple, because it'll bring him to life. It brings the books to life. The whole character comes out. But, yeah, I love Ian Rankin. And um, I did hear many years ago that he, he's got a little flat in Edinburgh, and he, he fills up the fridge and freezer and sits in there for three months and just writes the book. Um, whether he still does that or not, I don't know. But um, I, I know he used to do that uh, because you know he, you've got to live it, and you don't want distractions, you know. So yep. you can you can get the book moving, and once it's moving, I don't know how you write, but once I find once I'm involved, I'm getting ideas all the time. I'm waking up in the night with ideas. I'm driving. I've yes. got ideas, and it just keeps firing at you, and you've got to grab them. So I think when he's writing something that is quite complex with the characters, because there are a lot of characters in it. And they've got to appear very different. So I think you need to be in that sort of isolation to be able to uh, run the story through the plot lines and all the little twists and turns that he manages to put in. Yeah, that's uh, you know really really amazing for the the way that you have to really uh, really isolate yourself and really live, let those characters live inside your head. Um, and oftentimes for me. I end up having to, you know, exclude all those other aspects of my life and, you know, really kind of disappear into that mind space. It's, um, yeah. it's, uh, you, you could easily, if you, if you want to sneak up on me and stab me, you know, that's the play, that's the time to do it. Wait till I'm writing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. It's like my wife, you know, I'm, I'm talking, having a conversation with her and all I'm thinking about is what I'm writing. And yes. or I can, I can still speak, but I'm thinking all the time. And it's like two people me talking to her and then inside my head saying, well, come on, look, what about this? Do that. Let's get this great line there. Do that. And we're, I think we're, you're able to do it. I'm sure I'm, I'm able to do it, but um, sometimes you do feel a little distant. Um, people don't always pick it up, but I always yes. carry a notebook around and I always keep one under my pillow with a pen and I'll write in the dark um, just a few lines or maybe a few words, but trying to read it the next day is quite difficult. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, reading the foghorn like we're in chicken scratch, but then also deciphering what the words meant. Yeah, yeah, yep. because without that, it's pointless, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. But what was the uh, what was the second book that you uh, read and reviewed for this month? Um, well, what, the other one I've got here is the latest Jack Reacher. There is another one coming out in November, I believe. Oh, yeah. um, yep. but, but this is called Past Tense, and uh, it's a Lee Child book. Um, who is from England? I know he lives over there, but he's six foot four, which gives you a clue yes. as to why Jack Re as why Jack Reacher is tall, <laughs> as opposed to yeah. Tom Cruise. And, and a lot of people have knocked the films. I've watched. I think there are two that have been made. I've watched each of them several times, and 
Uh, I just can't imagine Tom Cruise being Jack Reacher. You know, he's so much like in, in the other yeah. films that he's been in. And I find it, it lacks credibility. So it's hard to uh, put it into context as though it is Jack Reacher. You know, that's the problem for me. But but this is a, an unusual book. I, I, I read every time he has a new one out, I will read it and generally review it. But what I found, um, I don't know if you know, but in the 60s, I, I was a musician living in Hamburg. And um, I think it was the last book he wrote. A lot of that was set in Hamburg. Wow. Um, yeah, but when I read it, it could have been anywhere in the world. Um, now, when I write, I try to go to those countries or cities and spend a lot of time there and live it. So when I wrote one of my books set in Amsterdam in the red light district, I actually stayed there and I went out with the Zayden Politei, the vice squad. I, I, I got up in the middle of the night and just walked the streets, just watching, feeling. I went back different seasons and I was very disappointed that he'd written about Hamburg. Um, but to me, I don't think he'd been there um, and it lost a lot. Plus some of the some of the sentences he started, he said, what are you doing now? He doesn't normally do that. He'd normally say, what are you doing? He may put mm -hmm. he said or said Fred, John, Tom or Harry. But he did it the other way around. And and it just didn't didn't roll and, and yeah. work, work for me. The this speed bump year, in the middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's, he's so successful and I, I feel very mm -hmm. guilty um, commenting like that. But I, I'm just saying how I read it. And um, I, I just wonder if he spent so much time or not enough time on it uh, or let someone else put it together for him you know you don't know people's circumstances sure um, but but this new one past tense is very very different and i'll try to explain without giving too much away but jack reacher's <laughs> it's very difficult isn't it with thrillers and things yes, but, yes. But jack, jack reacher's uh decided to research his family history loosely so he goes okay. to this this small town looking for, I think it was his his granddad or his his, his father even, um, and he gets there and no one seems to know anything about it. Now that's the setup of the story. But running parallel with that, you've got a young couple who are um, coming down from Canada and they want to get to New York and and you never know what it is, but they supposedly have got a chest in their car and they're trying to go to New York to sell the treasure but okay. they break down and check into mm. a motel but the motel is down a, a country lane if, if through the woods it's a, it's not a proper road really but they see the sign motel and so they find their way there and they end up trapped there the car won't work um, the, the people that own it the guys that own it um appear very helpful they said no it's all right you can stay here we'll get someone from the town to come and sort your car out and you'll be on your way tomorrow well they don't they don't get on the way and there are cameras filming them inside their motel room filming them outside and i suppose i can say nothing is what it appears and wow. yeah and and jack reacher gets involved with them towards the end but um <laughs> problem he's got because he gets involved with uh, a local girl who's been assaulted he attacks the attackers and he's told by the police that really he ought to get out of town 
go, some, <laughs> go somewhere else. But yes. he hangs around, yes. so they're, they're having to protect him, and he's, he's got to watch himself all the time. Uh, and, and all this, the other thing that's going on, of course, is this couple at this motel who just can't get away. And then they see people arriving, and they still can't get away, and they, they still don't know what on earth is going on. And then, and this is where I've got to be careful, what actually becomes apparent very near the end, actually, um, is pretty hairy. And this is where Jack Reacher, by default, gets involved. So you've got the, the, the couple at the motel running in parallel with, with Jack Reacher, trying to find out what's going on and where his uncle or his granddad or whatever lived. Um, and and it, it so happens that the, the paths cross um, in the last few chapters. And uh, it's quite a, it's a brilliant end. I mean, the action is fantastic. There's so much going on there. And uh, and you do wonder what the outcome, well, you know what the outcome will be. Um, but then he leaves town and he's, he's there and he's gone again. I mean, I love the character. Um, I don't know. I mean, could anyone exist over there without um, a driving license and, and a passport and a bank account or anything? I mean... It, it's it, it is absolutely theoretically possible um, right. you know really up and up until the point that uh, that the the cops find you driving something um, and have stopped you you don't have to produce a driver's license over here generally speaking so as long as you identify yourself you've met your legal obligations so it, okay. it really is theoretically possible for for him to live that under the radar um, yeah yeah I mean it comes to I mean one of the books he came to London you know and he got away with it, mm -hmm. supposedly Hamburg as well. So he seems to get away with it. But um, I just wonder, I mean, he just buys new clothes and throws the old ones away. Now, I, I wouldn't leave them in a bin in the store where I bought the new ones. But he yes. does because you're leaving clues, aren't you? You know? Yes. Yeah, especially, you know, the, with uh, that type of odd behavior, right? Eventually, uh, a 16-year-old store clerk is going to take notice and, you know, mention it to somebody. And then, you know, eventually, you know, you create witnesses. Yeah, and he's a tall guy as well. I mean, you 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 can't go unnoticed anywhere, you know. It's um, but I I love the character again. It's 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 very different to uh, John Rebus, of course. But I do love the character, and it's very very popular, very very popular. But as I say, I was disappointed with the either the one before or the one before that. I, I, and a lot of people said the same. It wasn't just me. I I read some of the reviews, and they said, well, I wonder if he actually wrote that or. It's not as good as his others. So he might have had a problem then, you know, and he had to get it out because the publisher was pushing for the deadline and therefore, you know, he had to produce something. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard to know what goes on in the background. And, you know, it's um, especially with his, uh, with his very dedicated and long-read fan base. Um, if something isn't up to that same par, people are going to say something. Yeah, you notice it straight away, and, and I did, you know, but... Um, I still love it, and I'm waiting for the next one. So um, it, it's not bad at all, you know. You like watching a TV show or a film. You know, an actor's great in one and not in another, or the writer isn't up to scratch in one, but the next one is brilliant. So you can't you can't be good on everything every time you write, can you? I I try, but I don't think any of us any of us make it. <laughs> no, I mean, people say to me, "Well, what's your favorite novel you've written?" And I I don't know. Whereas my wife is always, well, you ought to know which is your best, which is your favorite. And I said, well, no, it's probably the most recent one because it's yeah, brand yeah. new. It's my new baby, you know. Yep, yep, yep. It's shiny. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's the best idea I've had since the one before that. <laughs> That's right. I mean, it, it's like songwriters because I'm a music publisher and you get people come along and 
they're really enthusiastic about a new song. And I, I said, well, I, you know, it's, I don't like it. Oh, but it's brilliant. And of course, a month or two later, when they've written another one and they bring it around, I, they say, yeah, I know what you meant about that one, but this one's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all like shiny. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's right. So it's the newest thing. But I don't think I'm um, I'm not precious. I just like like what I've written. Otherwise, I wouldn't get it out there. You know, I'd, I'd shelve it, which I think you've got to be very brave to do. But sometimes you do, don't you? Yes. Yeah, and on, on that note, is there anything that, that you're working on that you're writing right now that's a, a work in progress that readers can expect to, to see out in the next uh, year or two? Yeah, um, well, my, my new book is out uh, next week. I'm going on a cruise next week. I speak on cruise ships, and uh, I've actually brought out a book called Write On, W-R-I-T-E, On, and it's, it's a guide and an aid uh, for creative writing, and that one is out there that's on Amazon uh, as we speak. Where uh, where can fans connect with uh, connect with you uh, website a newsletter or uh, find your works? Well, I well everything is on Amazon. I, I need to spell my surname. It's Graham, and then it's Slater, which is S C L A T E R. Um, and all my well, all eight books now are on Amazon um, um, around the world now. And plus, you can get them in the UK from Tabitha Books, T A B I T H A. Um, but I'm working on two, actually. I, I wrote the one in Amsterdam about three or four years ago called Love Shack. And mm -hmm. people always say to me, oh, you're going to write a sequel to anything. And last year I came up with an idea to be able to write the sequel to that one. So I'm well into that. And I'm, I've got two cruises now coming up uh, from next week. I'm away for three weeks on two on same cruise ship, but two different cruises. Um, and each of the cruises we go to Amsterdam. So um, I know Amsterdam very well. So what I'm going to do is spend a little bit of time just checking out some of the, the haunts that my characters could be in. Um, and that one will be called I Will Survive. And then uh, that will be out October next year, 2020. And then my, the next one will be, um, what's it called? Street Life. And that is about a, a group of buskers, some of whom are based in Edinburgh, which is where, of course, John Rebus lives. So I've never been to Edinburgh, so I'll be going up there soon. So for those of us on this side of the pond, what is a busker? A busker is a guy who will stand in the street and play a guitar or sing or dance okay. and rely on passers-by to put money into a hat. And okay. uh, I've got some wonderful characters for that. I've got some I've already got the characters fleshed out, I've got the backstories. I can see I've got photographs already. So um that one shouldn't take too long, but that'll be 2021, um, again, September, October. But I, I, I tend to work on one or two at a time because um, unless, we, as we talked earlier, everything's flowing and you, you can't work on two then. But, but what, what, you know, in the early stages, when you're sort of forming the plot lines and uh, everything else, um, I find it quite easy to work on two because your mind will help you to do that. But as I get nearer to actually starting to write it, then generally, yes, I'll concentrate on the one book at a time. Fantastic. Well, I greatly appreciate you coming on the coming on the show today and, and talking to us about your reviews and your, your research and your work. And uh, have fun on the cruise ships. We'll look forward to hearing from you next month. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, I hope all your listeners enjoy it. Thank you very much, Graham. Safe travels. Thank you. Bye-bye.
You've been listening to Writers on the Beat, where crime writers meet crime fighters, a copyrighted broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Gavin Reese, and this episode's guest has been Graham Slater. Until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Be safe out there.